different this semester. Something I have actually never done in RUF. Uh, those are dangerous words, aren't they? Um, this is my 14th semester doing RUF, my 14th series, which I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, I'm doing something I've never done before. You ready for what it is? We're doing two series this semester, not just one. Oh, I know, I know. Uh, so we're going to study actually two entire books of the Bible this semester. Uh, we're going to start with the book of Jonah, which we're going to get into even tonight. Um, and we're going to take Jonah up until uh, spring break. And then after spring break, we're going to study uh, another book, which I'll tell you about later on. Part of the reason why is in, in RUF... Uh, we believe that God's word, the Bible, as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, is God's very helpful, very applicable, and very inspired words for today. And we believe that God's word has authority uh, in our lives and actually has a lot to say about our daily lives. And if we'll listen to it and hear from it. Uh, it will really change the way we think, the way that we relate to the world around us, the way we relate to people, uh, and, and certainly the way we respond to God himself. And so we, every semester, go through typically books in the Bible. Last semester we did Acts, kind of an overview, and looked at a lot of different passages in Acts. And I like to go Old Testament, New Testament, just very simple back and forth. And so I wanted to come to Jonah this semester because, one, it's Old Testament. Two, it's a prophet. And I feel like we don't necessarily always study many prophets, so I wanted to, to get into this one a little bit. Uh, but also, part of why I wanted to do this is I was finishing the Acts series last fall, if you were able to be a part of any of that. Um, Jonah just felt like a really natural um, follow-up to, to that series and to those studies. And, and I hope that if you were here last semester that you'll be able to make some connections as we go along too. Uh, in many ways, Jonah has some real um, similarities to some of the stories in Acts. If you weren't with us last semester, uh, and this is your first time to RUF, disregard everything I've said. There's no connections. Don't worry about it. It's a totally new series. We're just glad you're here. Um, that's kind of our plan. We're going to go through Jonah this semester. And let me also encourage you to read it on your own. Jonah is a very short book, uh, four chapters. Each chapter is actually relatively short. I would encourage you to read this one uh, as we go along and maybe even read through the whole thing once a week um, as we go along. I think you will come to some insights as you do that that will be really helpful in our discussions as we do that. And if you're up for a separate, even more uh, significant challenge, I want to recommend two books you could check out if you wanted to. Two very readable, accessible books on the book of Jonah that I've read recently in the last few weeks and have loved them both. Just want to recommend them. This one's called Man Overboard by Sinclair Ferguson. It's a little commentary on the book of Jonah. Uh, so accessible. Very good. You'll hear a lot of uh, things from that this semester from me. Um, and the other one is uh, Timothy Keller has a new book. This one's brand new in the last month and a half. Very timely, Tim Keller. Called The Prodigal <laughs> Prophet. The Prodigal Prophet. It's great. Um, love reading through this. You'll hear a lot from that this semester, too. Uh, even tonight, I'll give you a quote from that book. So just want to offer those. Uh, tonight is really kind of sort of an intro. We're just going to get into a little bit of the story. Uh, we're going to begin right in the belly of the fish in chapter 2. We're just going to look at a couple of verses just to kind of get into some of the themes of the story, to, to kind of uh, get the motor running, the ball rolling down the hill, grease the skids, other metaphors for getting things started. Um, so that's tonight. That's all we're doing. And then starting next week, we'll go back to chapter one and, and get into it. All right. So let's read just Jonah chapter two, verses 
1 through 4. And this is a prayer of Jonah. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but these are the words of God, and they will stand forever. Pray with me once more, please. God, I do pray that you would uh, give us understanding. We don't approach your word in our own strength. That would be foolish. But even with the strength of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make things clear to us. Even tonight, as we just consider here a couple of verses and a couple of themes, I pray that you would begin to prick our hearts and expose uh, even our need of why uh, we could hear from your word this semester and, and what we need each of us individually uh, from you. I pray that you would lead us along and that we ask in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, I shared with you some of you once before this this Tom Brady quote that, that I love. I think it's so telling when he was interviewed. This was after his um, third Super Bowl win. He ha- now has five and could be going for a six this year. But after his third Super Bowl win, he did this interview with 60 Minutes. And um, you know, Tom Brady, right? Like he's NFL legend already, still playing at the age of 63, still getting after it, still winning championships. Like it's amazing. He's married to a supermodel. They have an average annual income of around $100 million per year. He's kind of crushing it in life, you might say. But in this interview on 60 Minutes after his third Super Bowl win, he made this amazing statement. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I just think there's got to be more than this. And the interviewer, you can watch this. The interviewer turns to him and he says, what's the answer? And Tom Brady looks like really sad. And he says, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. And it's just this like very telling, very vulnerable statement from Tom Brady. And here's the reason I bring this up. I, as we begin this series, even as I told uh, friends of mine and different folks that I'm going to do Jonah this semester, there's kind of a sentiment, and maybe you feel this a little bit too, like when you start to think about Jonah, why Jonah? Um, my life isn't really falling apart. And, and like there could be this idea of like, why teach through Jonah to Clemson students? You kind of have everything going for you right now. And I don't just mean the game, that, but that's really fun. Like, that's a huge part. Like, it feels a little crazy to go from, like, Trevor Lawrence, Jonah. Like, those are two different themes. <laughs> you guys have a lot going for you in life. I, as I talk to you, many of you, uh, you know, some of you seniors are, are landing jobs, jobs that you've wanted for a long time. Some of you are getting into clubs and organizations that you want to be a part of. You're in these friendships and relationships. And, and for a lot of you, things are going really well. And there may be a fear that is Jonah going to connect with them? Here's the reason I bring this up. Because I know that as, uh, as fun as this kind of season of Clemson life is, and it is really fun. Some of your excitement feels a little forced. 
right? Some of it, like you're, you're very excited about some of the things that are going on out there. But inside, just underneath the national championship t-shirt, things are falling apart. There's a disconnect for some of you about the, the stuff that you want people to see versus the realities that you know in, in your own heart. And so I hope that as we go on, we're going to have very real conversations this semester. We're going to talk about real life. We're going to talk about things that are hard and difficult and things that are exciting and, and fun, too. But I know I just want you to know that I know there's more to the story. There are a lot of things going on in your life in this room. Some things that are not only not fun, but some things that are really scary for some of you. The, the unknowns, the uncertainty of the future, the fears that you experience in different ways, addictions, loneliness, depression, bitterness, sadness. It may be just below the surface, but it's there. And so one thing we want to do is talk about those things on a regular basis. And I think Jonah is going to bring some of that up for us. And we'll talk about how God's word applies to those places of how God's grace goes to the deep places. God's grace goes to the deep and sometimes unseen places in our lives. That is the more to the story that I think even Tom Brady is searching for, at least in that interview. There is something more. And I think God's word, as we continue to study it this semester in the book of Jonah, uh, will help lead us there. In fact, we hear about the grace in, right there in, in verse 2 in the passage we just read. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Jonah has found himself at the bottom. And we'll see very soon, starting next week, this is a result of his own rebellion. Uh, God gave him some very specific instructions, gave him direction, and he didn't listen. And he literally ran the other way from God's instructions for him. He wanted to run from God. He wanted to. In fact, he wanted to die. And here in chapter 2, we find that Jonah, who's really the anti-hero of this book, He's sinking deep and he's tossed into the waters. He believed that this was the end of his life. His life was over. And then there was this fish and this fish saved him by swallowing him. And now he has this prayer. And we'll get into some of that as we go along. But it's really interesting. If you just think about it, it's interesting what happens when you begin to not listen to God. When you begin to distance yourself from what he is saying is true and is helpful and right and good for you. You know, as a kid, you're always warned about the little white lie, right? The little white lie. You tell that one little lie, and then you end up telling another one to kind of cover up the first one. And then there's another one, and it's the, the snowball effect of the lying. The same thing's true when it comes to our relationship with God. Our relationship with God isn't one little thing here and there, one little sin. But it's, it's a life of making decisions to move toward Him or move away from Him. As many of you know through your own experience, and I do from mine, when you keep sidestepping God's direction, it's so much easier to just keep moving the other way. That's the story of Jonah. His life is literally spinning out of control as he's sinking to the depths. I've been reading a lot lately about the miraculous story from last year. It was July of last year when those 13 boys were rescued from that cave in Thailand. You remember that story? Just amazing. And... 
I was wanting to get the details right of this, so I read a bunch of articles about it and watched some videos. And it was the soccer team, if you don't remember the story, it was a soccer team of, of um, 12 little boys and their coach, who was 25. Uh, the name of the soccer team was the Wild Boars, which is a great name of a soccer team. And I used to think that this cave was like, like, how did they get there? Did they just kind of run off in the woods? Were they misled? All this kind of thing. But I've, I've learned that this cave was like a pretty known place. It was not far at all from their soccer field. This would have been a place that they would explore in the middle of a park on a regular basis. So it wasn't some remote thing out there. So they went to this cave after soccer practice one day, which they had done plenty of times before. And they get to the cave, they uh, take off their shin guards and their cleats, and they leave their bikes on the rails outside of the cave. And they go in and explore a little bit. The difference that day was that a monsoon came. And as caves go, the, the floodwaters just began pouring in behind them. And they were too far in the cave to kind of begin going back out. The floods literally moved in. And it wasn't just that it trapped them where they were. They were about to drown in the floods coming into the cave. So they ran further in in order to escape the floods. That's how they got stuck a mile and a half into the tavern, into the caverns. And so there they were stuck And they found this kind of place, this ledge in the darkness where they just set up camp with nothing but their water bottles and their soccer clothes for days and days. They were trapped and no one knew where they were for a long time. They were simply stuck. Here's where I want to pause the story for a minute because I hope you had a good break. (laughs) I really do. I hope you had a good break. I'm glad you're back. And I hope you've had a good start of the semester so far, but I wonder if some of you are seeing areas in your life where you are, you are stuck. You're stuck. And the thing is, you know how you got there. It's not even a surprise to you. You can, you can trace back some decisions, some deliberate decisions you've made to get yourself into that place. But there you are and you don't know how to get out. You, like Jonah, have sunk deeply into the waters and you don't know how to find your way up. You, like the wild boars, have found your way deep into the abyss and you don't know how to get out. And I'll also say that some of you perhaps feel stuck and you you don't know how you got there. And that's hard. And you don't know why life feels so out of control for you right now. And why things don't seem to be going your way. You feel like you're sinking and you don't know which way's up. Whether it's mentally you're struggling with your mental health right now and you've had a really hard break. Emotionally, things feel all out of sort. You don't know what's going on. Or for some of you, it's academics. You're back this semester, but kind of just barely and on probation and who knows what's next. Um, others of you, it's relationally perhaps even physical problems you're struggling with. I I think there, I'm saying all this to say there are many ways where you can identify with Jonah in his seemingly hopeless sinking. If that's you, here's what I want to say. That's if you identify with any of that. I want to tell you that you are in a prime spot to see God at work this semester. You are in a prime spot, maybe in the best position possible to see a miraculous rescue story, even this semester. If you see yourself stuck at the bottom, then there's hope for you. 
I love how Tim Keller does put this in his book really well, in this Jonah book. He says, it's only when you reach the very bottom, when everything falls apart, when all your schemes and resources are broken and exhausted, that you are finally open to learning how to completely depend on God. He says, as it's often said, you never realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. In other words, you must lose your life in order to find your life. If that's you, your relationships aren't working. Your addictions don't seem to be going away. Your issues at home aren't resolving themselves. School has become more confusing than ever. Your plans are not working out. You're stuck. You're lost. You're at the bottom. Here's what I want you to hear tonight. The way up is down. The way to light is through the darkness. And the way in which you will know life is actually to understand death. That's the counterintuitive way in which God works throughout this story. In other words, you have to see in your life where you're sinking deep in order to find God's deeper grace for you. Even at the bottom. Jonah says in this text, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried out to you and you heard my voice. Sheol is essentially a term for the realm of the dead. In other words, it's hell. Out of the deepest depths of death itself, I cried out to you and you actually listened. You heard my voice. Now, Jonah has a long way to go. In this story, he doesn't really get it yet. I think he doesn't really get it yet, even in this prayer. Maybe he's beginning to get something that we will be wrestling with all semester long. And it's this idea of grace. Grace is, among other things, it's getting what you don't deserve. It's getting God's favor when you've never earned it. It's getting God's ear when you don't deserve it. It's it's getting forgiveness. When you certainly can't earn it, it's getting it's getting God when you never deserved him. But here's the implication. You don't get grace. You don't get grace unless you understand that you don't deserve grace. You can't be rescued unless you know that you need to be rescued. You can't be brought up from the deep unless you realize that you are sinking. So let's go back to that cave in Thailand. Four days after the wild boars went missing, they brought in these British expert divers. These are guys that were just, they're cave divers. That's all they do. And they're great at it. So on the seventh day of diving, they finally found the boys resting on this rock ledge inside the cave. They didn't know what day it was. They didn't know who these people were. Um, There's video of this. They didn't know they had been there for 10 days. The Navy SEALs would begin to come the next day and they would start to run routine kind of food and water runs to them while they worked out a plan to try to bring them out of the cave alive because access was so hard even for the expert divers. So can you imagine the relief, the gratitude of those boys when that first diver emerged from the waters? The waters, the dark waters that they've been staring into for 10 days, and all of a sudden there's, there's a face that comes out of the waters. And he's like, I'm here to rescue you. Just the amazing relief that that would have brought these boys. They began the rescue efforts a few days later. Uh, you may know that there was one tragedy uh, during that rescue attempt. It wasn't one of the boys. It was actually one of the divers. 
And one of the divers who was going through the routine of delivering food ended up losing oxygen and died in the cave in order to rescue them. But the rescue efforts began. The boys were wrapped in this kind of foil blanket type of thing. They covered their mask. That was the most important part in the rescue because if any water kind of got in there, it would have been detrimental. So they covered them. They wrapped them up. And they brought them out. These boys had no idea the efforts that so many, like hundreds of people had gone to. People in America, I mean, I mean, people in Britain, people in America were coming up with options. They were sending all these resources. They had no idea these folks had come to rescue them. And they would do whatever it took to come out, to get out. Even if it meant going into the water in order to come out on the other side. Even if it meant going into the deep, diving into what looked like death in order to live. But the boys did it. They held on, or I should say someone held on to them and brought them out one by one. Each rescue took multiple hours and it lasted over three days. And they rescued all 13 of the wild boars from the cave. I just think about that that verse we read into the heart of the seas the flood surrounded me. All I want to encourage you with tonight is is simply this idea. Are you ready to hold on? Because your rescuer has already come. If you find yourself in the depths this semester, you are never too deep to find grace there, to find hope. But you have to hold on to him or we should say allow him to hold on to you. And that him, of course, is Jesus himself. The Apostle Paul picks up this theme in Philippians when when he says essentially that Jesus has dived deep from heaven to earth. He has dived deep to rescue those who would trust him. He said Jesus emptied himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. To save those like me and like you who have been disobedient to the point of death. And that this Jesus emptied himself on the cross. He gave it all up and he took on death in order that you might know life. In other words, the way up is down. Because Jesus went into the depths to bring you up. And the only way to see light is to move into the darkness and to believe that Jesus Christ dove into the darkness to bring you to his light. And the only way to know life is to begin understanding death, to see that Jesus took on death so that you can actually begin to really live, both now and for eternity. His death for yours. There's no greater hope for those who know that they are sinking. Hold on to him. Let him hold on to you. We will go into the depths more next week. We'll go to chapter one. We'll begin studying the story, learn more about who Jonah is, what kind of trouble he got himself into, and see the ways that this somewhat familiar story is uncomfortably relevant for our daily lives. That's next week. Would you pray with me?